Wow. Tell your neighbor, happy Nissan. You know, I, I really, uh, as Chuck was uh, speaking, it really struck me. I think one of the most important things we do in this ministry is celebrate our monthly First Fruits gathering. Because what it does, it keeps us in step with the Holy Spirit. It aligns our times with the times of God and allows us to, to catch a vision of what God wants to do in our lives this month. And if we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we can prosper in every season. Now, I think one of the most important uh, first fruits we can have is this one, because arguably, I think Nissan may very well be the most important of all the months in many ways. So our message this morning is the month of Nissan for the year 2021 a month to declare spring has come. Tell your neighbor, spring has come. So welcome to our first fruit celebration for the month of Nisan. Now, Nisan is the first month in God's yearly cycle of feasts. The Hebrew year starts back in September, but the cycle of feasts does not be begin until this month. Now, in our calendar, the month of Nisan usually begins in March and spills over into April. But Nisan is a very significant month. First of all, as Chuck said, this is the month of Passover. Passover is the first feast in God's yearly cycle. The root word of Nisan is Nisim, which means miracles. So expect miracles this month. This is the month of miracles. It also means redemption. And at Passover, we celebrate redemption by the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb, and the miracle of his resurrection. Now, the Jews also call this month the month of Aviv. Now, in Hebrew, the word Aviv means springtime. We've come through a cold winter season, but it's time for life to break forth. Remember that winter season? I think in Texas it was about two weeks ago. <laughs> but now it's time for life. Now spring is very significant season in the natural realm, but also in the spiritual realm. Another Hebrew word for spring is teshuvah. And Teshuvah is also the word for repentance. Isn't that interesting? Because springtime shows us what repentance looks like. Repentance means turning away from a cold, dead season and moving into a season of life. That's what springtime is. So if you have been in a cold, dead season, I have good news for you. You can repent. You can choose to enter into spring. So Nisan is a month to turn from the things that trap you in that old dead season and press forward into God's promise. And see, that is what the Feast of Passover is all about. 
Part of Passover involved going through your house, removing all leaven and removing all defilement, getting rid of everything that would hold you back so you are free to move forward with God. And through the blood of Jesus, our Passover lamb, we are redeemed out of bondage and set free to enter into the promise. Now, Nisan is a month of first fruits. You know, the barley harvest took place in the month of Nisan. Now, barley was planted in the fall, but it was the very first crop to harvest in the spring. And before it could be harvested, two sheaves of barley were presented to the Lord. They went out into the field, cut the first two ripened sheaves brought them to the temple and presented them as a first fruits offering. And they did that on the Sunday after Passover. And that day was called the Feast of First Fruits. Now that feast is important because giving a first fruits offering guaranteed the full harvest to come. And the, the, there were crops that har ripened all through the year. Barley ripened in the spring, wheat in the summer, uh, grapes in late summer, olives in the fall. So the Jews would bring a first fruits offering of every crop that came in. There were first fruits offerings brought all through the year. But the barley harvest was the first of all the harvest. And so the first fruits of the barley harvest is really the first fruits of the first. It's a first fruits offering that guaranteed all the harvests of the year. And so on the Sunday after Passover, as they presented the barley sheaves to the Lord, they were saying, what we see today is the first of many harvests to follow. And I believe that's why God chose that day for the greatest event in human history. Because the Feast of Firstfruits was also the day of Jesus' resurrection. See, Jesus died on Passover to be our Passover lamb. We are redeemed by his blood. But God raised Jesus from the dead on the Feast of Firstfruits to show that Jesus is the firstfruits of a new creation. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, Jesus is our first fruits because his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. It was the first of a great harvest to come. And so Nisan is the month of firsts. It's the month of the barley harvest, the first harvest of the year. It's the month of Passover, the first feast in God's yearly cycle of feasts. In Nisan, God redeemed Israel out of Egypt, so it marked the beginning of Israel as the people of God. Also in Nisan, the wind of God opened up the Red Sea so Israel could begin their journey to the promised land. The tribe associated with the month of Nisan is Judah. Now why is that? Well, it's because Judah was always the first tribe. When Israel marched through the wilderness, Judah always went first. When they went into battle, Judah again was first. And so this first of months is the month of Judah. 
Now, if we understand Judah, I think we will get a feel for what the month of Nisan is all about. The symbol of Judah was the lion. Judah was a kingly tribe. It was the tribe of the Messiah. That's why Nisan is sometimes called the king of months. Judah was known for several things. First of all, Judah was the tribe of praise. You know, that's why when Chuck comes up and he thanks the worship team, he says, thank you, Judah, because they've been leading us in praise. The name Judah means praise. Judah comes from a Hebrew word, yada. Everybody say yada. Yada. The root word of yada is yad, and it means hand. So yada literally means to extend the hand. It came to mean to praise God with lifted hands. You know, when we were in a... uh, an evangelical church that didn't like expressive praise and somebody would talk about raising hands, they would say, well, where do you see that in the Bible? Well, you know, the most common exhortation or command in the Bible is the command to yada, to praise God with lifted hands. And I love that expression of praise. It's one of the most significant and beautiful ways to pray. You know, you can praise God without speaking a word. Just lift your hand to him. It's a picture to me of a little child running to her mommy with arms lifted high, saying, Mommy, I love you. I need you. Pick me up and hold me close. When you lift your hands to God, that's what you're saying. I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Hold me close. But, you know, yada means more than that. In Hebrew, the hand is also a symbol of strength and power. And so lifting your hands to God is giving God your strength, your abilities. It's putting yourself in his hands. And so praise is important this month. This is a month to draw close to God and put your life in his hands. So Judah means praise, but Judah has a second aspect. Yada can mean to extend the hands in praise, but it can also mean to extend the hands in battle. See, in warfare, yada meant to extend the hand to throw a stone or a spear or use a weapon to defeat the enemy. So Judah is not only the tribe of praise, Judah is the tribe of war. Biblically, praise and warfare are always connected. For a long time, I didn't understand Psalm 149 until God showed me that connection. Psalm 149 says, let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. May the high praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. See, praising God is an act of war. It's warfare against the devil. It breaks his power and thwarts his strategies whenever you feel like the enemy is on your case and wearing you down or pressing you back. If you will choose to stop and say, I'm going to praise the Lord, you will see the enemy retreat. This is a month to stand against the enemy in God's power and prevail. See, Egypt was Israel's enemy. 
But in Nisan, the power of Egypt was broken and the children of Israel were set free. Now, there's one more thing we need to understand about the month of Nisan. Nisan is the month to align your life to receive an abundant harvest. See, God's goal for you is harvest. He wants your barns to be filled with plenty and your vats to overflow with new wine. He wants you to experience the fullness of his promised blessing. He also wants you to see a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of souls. But see, there is a timing in harvest. Psalm 1 says God wants us to be like trees that bring forth their fruit in its season. Ecclesiastes 3 says there is a time and a season for everything. There's a time to plant seeds and there is a time to reap harvest. Tell your neighbor it's harvest time. And God wants you to have an abundant harvest. But you know, even in the natural realm, if you try to harvest in the wrong season, you will not get the harvest you're looking for. If you're out of God's time and you can miss the harvest he has for you. See, planting and reaping must be in the right time. And you know, back in the late 80s, I went into the old Soviet Union. In the old Soviet Union, everything was controlled by bureaucrats in the central government. And the bureaucrats in Moscow arbitrarily set the dates for planting and harvesting. So when the order came from Moscow, they planted their seeds. Often the ground was too wet and the seeds would rot in the ground. And when the order came from Moscow, they harvested. And if they got the timing wrong, they had to watch the crops rot in the field until it was Moscow's time. You know, Ukraine was the most productive farmland in the world. But because they could not operate in the right timing, the whole country experienced a terrible famine. And see, that is why God is speaking to his church about alignment. To experience the harvest we want, we must be aligned. We need to align with his apostles, with his fivefold ministers, with his timing, and with his glory. You know, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, they were a rabble. They were a mixed multitude. They were set free from Egypt, but they were not yet ready to move forward as God's people to accomplish his purposes. And so God took them down to Sinai, and there he taught them alignment. He aligned their camp physically. He aligned them with his leaders. He aligned them with his timing. And he aligned them with his glory. Now, why is that important? It's important to get aligned because there is unbelievable power that comes through alignment. You know, my favorite illustration of alignment is a magnet. You can take a bar of iron and you can take a magnet. They can be the same size and the same weight. They're even made of the same material, but the magnet has a power that the iron bar lacks. You know what makes the difference? 
In the iron bar, the molecules are not aligned. They're each going their own way. They're doing their own thing. And the result is it has no power. But amazingly, that iron bar can become a magnet. If you put it in a strong magnetic field, the molecules will align with that field and the bar will gain the power of alignment. And God wants you to experience the power of alignment. The right alignment will release power in every area of life. You know, I remember when our church aligned with Chuck Pierce as our apostle. Now, we've been a church for years. We were a good church. We had godly leaders. We had good teaching. But when we aligned apostolically, something changed. I like to describe it like this. Remember in the original Star Wars, what happened when the Millennium Falcon made the jump into light speed? Everybody remember that? It went whoosh. That's what it was like when we aligned with the apostolic. The anointing level of every ministry in the church exploded. And we haven't stopped moving forward since. But see, there's power that comes in alignment. You need to know who you're aligned with. In every sphere of life, you need to be assured you are aligned with the highest level apostolic anointing you can find. You know, for Israel, alignment was what the month of Nisan was all about. In Nisan, God aligned them with Moses. Then under Moses' leadership, God took them to Sinai and taught them alignment in every area of life. He aligned their camp physically. He put the tabernacle in the center and positioned all of the tribes around it. That meant all of the tribes were aligned with each other and they were all aligned with the ark in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle where the presence of God dwelt. And see, being aligned with the ark meant they were aligned with God. And when everything was aligned, it created a place where God's glory could come and dwell in their midst. One of the most important ways God aligned Israel was to align them with his timing. While they were camped there at Sinai, God began to teach them his times and seasons. You know, God works through times and seasons. God gave them a whole new cycle of life. Each week, he said, take a day to rest and enjoy God's goodness. And then they began every month by coming together and praising God and bringing a first fruits offering, listening to the words of the prophets. And then three times a year, they met with God to allow him to do some special things in their lives, spiritual transactions. And those three gatherings are often called biblical feasts, but they're also called God's appointed times. They were literally appointments with God. And as Israel aligned their lives with God's timing, they experienced his blessing. Aligning with God's timing helped them to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, to be at the right place at the right time, to not miss their windows of opportunity. 
But you know, God's appointed times were not just given for Jews. The Bible promises blessings for Gentiles who will honor God's appointed times. You know, the early church also aligned with God's times. A lot of Christians don't realize it, but in the early church, the biblical feasts were considered to be Christian feasts. But during the Dark Ages, the Roman government forced the church to abandon the biblical calendar. And the result is most Christians today don't even know what God's appointed times are. And yet God's appointed times are still a source of great blessing. Now the good news is God is restoring his church. God is restoring everything we've lost. So what are God's appointed times? Well, God gave three special appointed times every year. In the first month, Nisan was Passover. In the third month came Pentecost. Then came the long, hot summer. And then in the seventh month came the Feast of Tabernacles. And these are times God wants to meet with us to perform some spiritual, spiritual transactions, to do some special things in our lives. Passover was all about redemption and cleansing. We know the story of Passover, how they had to put the blood on the doorpost. They were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But it was also a time to be cleansed from impurity. They had to search out their house, remove the leaven, remove all impurity, be cleansed so they could move forward with God. And so God wants to remind us every year that the starting point of our walk with him is redemption and cleansing by the blood of the Lamb. Then comes Pentecost. It was a celebration of God's provision. Originally, it was the first fruits of the wheat harvest, God's physical provision. God brings forth bread from the earth. Then at Sinai, it was on Pentecost that God gave Torah, the law, that was his provision for Israel under the old covenant. But then in Acts chapter 2, again on Pentecost, God poured out his Holy Spirit. That's his provision for us in the new covenant. And see, once we are redeemed, God wants us to walk in the fullness of his provision. And then you come to the seventh month, and it's tabernacles. It's all about the glory of God, experiencing his glory, dwelling in his presence. And God's goal is to bring us into his presence to experience his glory every year. It's interesting, these three appointed times correspond to the three courts in Moses' tabernacle. The outer court was a place of redemption and cleansing. The, the altar showed, I were redeemed by the blood. The labor was a place to be cleansed from, from impurity so you can move forward with God. And then the holy place was a place to worship God for his provision. The table of showbread showed God's physical provision. God brings forth bread from the earth. The menorah is the symbol of the, heaven, of the sevenfold Holy Spirit giving his illumination. And then the altar of incense pictured access to God in prayer. And then there was a thick curtain called the veil, and on the other side was the Holy of Holies. It contained the Ark of the Covenant where God manifested his glory. Now when you look at the pictures of the feast and the tabernacle, anybody see a similarity there? 
See, God's appointed times are really a journey every year into the presence of God. It's like walking through the tabernacle. You begin with the outer court, you go through the inner court, and you end up every year in the Holy of Holies. And the goal of these feasts is to bring you into a fresh experience of God's glory every year. Now, why is that important? It's because living in this world is like standing on an escalator going down. You don't have to try very hard to drift away from God. You just tend to drift further and further away. But celebrating God's appointed times puts you on an escalator going up. They're designed to bring you ever closer to him. And if you've gotten off track in a certain area, they give you a chance to get back on. Now these feasts, these appointed times are not legalistic rituals. You will not go to hell for not observing an appointed time. Under the new covenant, we are free to celebrate a feast or not to celebrate. They're given as blessings, but God says, if you want to miss your blessing, you have a right to do that. So don't get legalistic about it. But if you want to get on the escalator, it begins this month. This is the starting point. Tell your neighbor it starts this month. This is the month of Passover. Now, I know some people have never been taught about Passover and how to celebrate the feast. If you're not sure how to celebrate Passover, I'd like to recommend a book called The Messianic Church Arising. It's available here at Glory of Zion. It's available on our website, or you can get it as an ebook on Amazon.com. But if you've never celebrated Passover, this book will show you a very simple way to celebrate Passover in your own home. You can get on the escalator without ever leaving home. But see, Nissan is the month of Passover. That means it's time, tell your neighbor, it's time to start. A fresh cycle is beginning. This is the month to align with God's cycle of life. And as we align ourselves with God's season, we experience harvest. And God wants your life to be so aligned with him that you can plant in seed time and reap a bountiful harvest. So this is a month to declare spring has come. It's a month for miracles. It's time to come before God in praise and stand against the enemy in warfare. This month sets the course for your future. And so in this month of Nisan, celebrate Passover, align your life with God's times, and enter in to the fullness of his harvest. Lord, I pray for each one here. Lord, you would lead us into the fullness of your blessing, the fullness of your harvest. Lord, that, that, that they would each find a way and a place to get on that escalator and move forward into your presence every year. Let's all stand up. I'm telling you. Now, I want you to look up here and look at me. Think me. I, I don't like stairs. I do escalators. That's all you got to think about this. And I, I was sitting there thinking about something. I told Justin, I, I wonder, I asked Chad this. I said, do, 
did you read your Bible just the way they taught you how to read it in Sunday school? And he said, yeah. I, I, I didn't know any different. Let the Spirit reveal the Word to you. Some of you are clueless to the Word of God because the denomination you've been in has taught you and they've erased half of the book and uh, all sorts of stuff. I remember being brought before the leaders in the church we were in, Pam and I, and said, and they said, we don't like it, just me, not Pam. They didn't, they liked her. We don't like it because you raise your hands. And I said, well, check out the Bible and tell me if it's not in the Bible. The pastor came back the next morning and said, it's in there 83 times. I said, well, you have to choose. Are you going to erase that along with tongues and all the other things you've erased? Or are you going to embrace that? I am going to decree what I decreed over Janice, Mary Ann, and Patricia. There's a spirit of revelation going to fall on you starting today. And that spirit of revelation is going to produce an escalation and you will go up more quickly and accelerate more quickly than you ever have in your life. I send you forth into Nisan, into Abib. Now shout, spring is here. Enjoy the week. Worship with us.